Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NFL. All right, let's see what the Giants' best two-point play is. Trying to tie this game up. They got a bunch formation to the left. Deion Lewis goes in motion. Jones back, throws right for Lewis, and it's incomplete. And that is how the Giants lost the game. Of course, there was a flag on the play, and they called P.I., and then they talked about it, and they reversed the P.I., and so the Bucks got out of there with the win. Looked to me like it was pass interference. I don't know if the Giants would have scored on the next play or not, P.K., but they're probably a little bitter, but they're also a one-win team. And now the Bucks are a 6-2 and two team halfway through the season, and Tom Brady's having the impact that the Bucks hoped he would as they came back in the second half after a slow start. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, 6-2, and two, that's nothing to sneeze at. No way. I mean, you extrapolate out. You know, that's like 11-6, and six, I think. That's pretty good. 17-game seasons comes next year, and that was horrible math, but good work by you. 6-2 and two puts them on track for a playoff, especially if the playoffs are expanded again. NFL's already going from six teams in a conference to seven this year. Now they're talking about the possibility of going to eight and eliminating the bye if games are lost. In the first half of the season, they've been able to move things around and have bye weeks and all that. But in case they aren't able to do that, that's the plan. I think we've wondered if they would push the playoffs back a week and all that. But it seems like right now they're thinking, well, if somebody's played 14 or 15 games, we'll just let in an eighth team and that'll have to be good. You okay with that, PK, or at this point you're okay with anything? Well, I mean, it's a funky season, so, you know, whatever you got to do is what you're going to do. And so play the games. That's the most important thing. And whatever they come up with, you know, everybody's got the opportunity to succeed or fail. It's depending on what you do out on the field. So I don't really have any problem. Uh, t- to me, I've been thinking about this, you know, with the NBA and, and, and MLB. As long as you don't, and football is much easier to do it because you only play the one game, but don't jack up the playoffs. You know, what I mean is like the, the, the World Series or the NBA Finals would have been best of three or something. And they didn't do that. So same type of principle here, obviously with the football, you know, once you play the game, it's that's out there. And so you're going to play it at that point, and it doesn't become jacked up. So it's much easier to keep the playoff format Although it doesn't necessarily, in my mind, have to be exactly the same because it wasn't the same in the other two sports. But once you got into it, it was the same, meaning, you know, obviously the finals and uh, the uh, rounds subsequent to that. So football has it much easier. So, yeah, I'm okay with it. Long-winded answer to say, sure, fine, whatever you need to do. Yeah, once it got down to eight teams, it was normal, right? Yeah, right. The baseball was different going from 10 to 16 and then the 16 to the 8. But once it got to eight... It was normal. And the same in basketball. Actually, in basketball, I guess once they got to 16, it was normal. They did have the playing games. That was different. Right. New England Patriots coach Bill Belichick looking like they're going to miss the playoffs 2-5 and five with a four-game losing streak. Uh, said yesterday he wasn't making excuses when he told uh, Sirius XM NFL Radio, maybe you were listening, PK, that uh, the team was relying more on younger players and didn't have the same depth as past years because of the salary cap. We sold out and won three Super Bowls, played in a fourth, and played in an AFC championship game. This year we have less to work with. It's not an excuse. It's just the facts. 
He said they had a follow-up interview on WEEI in Boston, and he left out, but it kind of plays into his point that they had a lot of guys opt out this year. Well, sure, all that stuff that he says is true, and at some point, shouldn't we allow the Patriots to slip and have to reload, rebuild to one degree or another? Everybody else has done it. No one has won ever, forever, 25 years in a row, whatever it might be. So I heard what he said. I didn't hear it live, but I read about it, and I don't have any problem with it. All right, for you fantasy owners, all the injuries happening here. Jimmy Garoppolo, high ankle sprain, PK, re-aggravated. So he's out for six weeks minimum. And tight end George Kittle, broken bone in his foot. He'll be out eight weeks. A.K.A. his season is over. Yeah, they're in a really tough division. They're already uh, behind in that division, even though the record's decent. Uh, It's going to be hard for them here. Uh, The Raiders right tackle Trent Brown. Uh, hospitalized in Cleveland the day after he had an episode taking a pregame IV air into his bloodstream and required immediate medical attention. I do not like the sound of either one of those things. That's right up there with uh, with uh, the Chargers and Taylor getting that shot week one. Puncturing his lung. Ugh. Do they have an award for that? Worst doctoring? Sure. It's now called malpractice, practice, I think, yeah. what it is. Uh, Bears wide receiver Javon Wims suspended two games for punching Saints. Defensive back C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Wims claimed that he'd been spit on. Gardner-Johnson denied that. Wims ejected. Connected twice on punches. Punching guys in helmets. Not sure how good any of that is. Uh, Two games now for the suspension. That was one of the more bizarre clips you could ever see. He did use an open hand, so it was a smarter play on his part. I want to break the knuckles. I think there should be more penalty for these uh, accusations that aren't true. You know, Miles Garrett with uh, Mason Rudolph just could have really ruined Mason Rudolph. But it was sort of just swept under the rug. Yeah, no, no, well. And Mike Tomlin said it didn't happen. But, I mean, that's a serious accusation. And, and it, it just, carries serious penalties. Yeah, it, well, but there was no, what penalties was there against uh, Garrett? No, I'm saying if the accusation is true, that player oh, okay. is yeah, in, you're right. is in right. serious trouble if that accusation is true. Right, exactly. So you can't yes. just lob that accusation out there and put somebody on the hot seat when they didn't do anything. Well, it depends on who you are. Actually, you can. Well, you can. You shouldn't be able to. But you're right. You can't. And it's happened. And it's probably going to happen again because there hasn't been a big penalty for the last couple of people who we know have done it. So. Yeah. All right, there's the NFL, DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. We just left practice for the last, like, 45 minutes. Um, player potentially severely injured, um, Demarcus Thomas, was hit and hasn't moved since, and the helicopter's on its way now, you know, so... Obviously, I answer questions. Got to do my job, you know, about the game, whatever it is. But you know, nothing seems very important right now because it was, you know, he got hit and, and never moved and, and hasn't had any feeling in his entire body. That is Lane Kiffin talking about Ole Miss tight end Demarcus Thomas. The good news: the school reported late yesterday he had regained feeling in his extremities and was being discharged from the hospital. But a scary moment of practice right there for Ole Miss. Well, certainly, yeah. That's why uh, the idea of, oh, these young men, are we're going to risk it if they get back on the field with this other thing. Well, is it any more of a risk than what they face every single time they touch somebody, every single play, every single scrimmage, whatever it might be? 
Washington State's going to start a true freshman at quarterback, Jaden DeLara, uh, against Oregon State. He beat out a couple other uh, quarterbacks, including Cameron Cooper from Lehigh High School, the former pioneer. And PK waiting for his time to come, and with the coaching change, and now a true freshman, see if maybe, you know, through performance or injury, he could still get on the field, but that's got to be a bitter pill for him. Uh, yeah, I already inquired up on that yesterday to see if the kid would be interested in transfer, and I was told he probably would be. I don't know if he will be. This isn't me saying it. I just asked somebody about that because I found it interesting, a true freshman with the coaching change, and away you go. First time the Cougars will have started a true freshman in a season opener. Is the kid from Hawaii? Yes. And where'd the coach come from? Hawaii! Rolovich yeah. had him committed to go to Hawaii before he went to Washington State. Right. And there you go. SEC fined Dan Mullen 25000 reprimanded him for his uh, role in an on-field brawl that broke out at halftime of the Gators game against Missouri Saturday. He took exception to a late hit. Had to be restrained by his staff at one point in the fracas. The Donnybrook. The brouhaha. The fight. That was a fight. What a food fight. It was a fight. It was a fight. That was a real fight. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. I think we all feel very good about the roster and the fact that with a healthy Joel and a Ben Simmons uh, and a group that Doc is coaching, we feel like people are underrating the Sixers right now, but we need to go out there and prove it. That is Daryl Morey saying the 76ers are underrated. He is the new president of basketball operations. He thinks the franchise can win at a high level with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Uh, Is he going to surround him with shooters? I mean, based on what he did in Houston, you would assume so. Uh, They they lost a little bit of the shooting last year, and that was a big old disappointment, which is why he was able to get the job, and it was open. Yeah, there's no such thing as teams being underrated in professional sports. You can go with some individuals, but I don't think you can go with teams. So to say they're underrated, it doesn't make any sense. There aren't there are no ratings that come out. This isn't the college football, basketball, where you have polls. So there's there's nothing there that doesn't make any sense to me. And individuals, I'm fine with, and how much they contribute to winning. But teams in professional sports underrated? No, you get to show it. 73 games. You are who you are. You are who your record says you are. And they were sixth in the East, which is a disappointment. Which is why he's there. All right, DJ and PK, shooters, call Philadelphia. I think there's a job for you. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. So John Lester ended up with ended uh, his time in Chicago with a party, PK. Halloween weekend for Chicago bars. Bought rounds for Cub fans. Paid out forty-seven grand. He's a thirty-six-year-old free agent. Don't know where he's going, but he's going somewhere without that forty-seven thousand, which apparently includes a thirty-four percent gratuity, and he wore the number thirty-four. So there's some happy waiters or waitresses or bartenders or whoever. Okay. I don't know what thirty-four percent is on that forty-seven thousand. That's a lot. It was in the sixteen thousand dollar range. That's a heck of a tip right there. All right. DJ and PK, what is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water software. Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. 
All right, coming up. Talking Cougars with Dylan Colley as BYU gets ready to go to Boise State. Dylan, former BYU wide receiver, will be here at 8 o'clock. And the former Ute quarterback, Frank Dolce, at 8.30 to talk about the Utes opener with Arizona. Coming up next, the question of the day. This is a big game, BYU and Boise State. Where does it rank among the all-time big games? What's that list look like, and where does this fit? We will get to that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Coming up, we'll talk about the rest of the NBA, what's going on out east Be as back well. east. You said out east. What's the matter with the out east? Because it's back east. It's out west. Why? Because you've already been east. Everybody came east to west, so it's back east. What year is this? No. You're talking about like the mountain men? What are you talking about? Back east? You don't say out east. Because east isn't out. East is back. Out west. <laughs> Well, it probably stems from getting in the old prairie schooner and heading west, but it still applies. All right. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Zero Res. Put your best foot forward with a Zero Res cleaning before the holiday season. Clean in November, make a food donation to Zero Res, and they'll clean a fourth room for free. Forwards or backwards, Zero Res, it's the right way to clean. Call them at 801-288-9376. All right, PK, you love questions like this. There is no perfect answer. You can argue this forever. You can spin people like a top, and I fully expect you to. (laughs) Are you rubbing your hands together? Well, on that, but I think that uh, the literal question, you know, the most important game, where does it rank and all that stuff. I know Jay Drew from the Deseret News is doing a story on it. Talked to him about it yesterday, and he'll have a piece here up shortly, I would think, uh, today or tomorrow on this very thing, and he's talking to folks. And so, to me, it's hard to say when going into the game. I prefer to look back and say, what level of significance did the game have uh, when it's done? as opposed to going into it. Now, one of the things that I think is inarguable, this is t- it's two things I can say, and I can say it with, I believe, in my opinion, which is take it for what it's worth, but 100% certainty, is this the most important game they've played as an independent, and it's the most important game they've played under Kalani Sataki. That's where I feel very, very confident in saying it. But if you want to rank going into the game its level of importance, what would be some possibilities Well, obviously, the 1984 Holiday Bowl, you're trying to complete a perfect season, and you're going in ranked number one, so you know what's at stake, so that was an enormous game. Okay. It's not the only time they've gone into a bowl game undefeated. In 1979, they went into the Holiday Bowl 11-0. Now, they were ranked number nine. They weren't going to win the national title, but they still had a chance to be a top-ten team. That's a significant accomplishment, an undefeated season is a significant accomplishment. And at that time, they hadn't won a bowl game. I think they'd only been in three or four of them at that point. Three of them, I think. Uh, I think that was their fourth one. And they hadn't won a bowl game. And that's in an era when there were uh, probably, depending on the year, eight, nine, ten bowl games. So it was a much bigger prize to be going to a bowl game than it is these days. So I think that was a big game. Uh, The 97 Cotton Bowl, the only bowl game they played on New Year's Day, 
was a big game. Um, two ranked teams, and you know Kansas State was good, and it went right down to the end. Uh, that finished a 14 and one season, so that was a big game. The WAC title game to get there uh, was a battle of ranked teams. They were both one loss teams. That was a big deal. Uh, I think anytime you get this deep in the season and you're undefeated. If you've got a big opponent, and it's weird this year because Boise State's 2-0, right? Uh, the, the 2001 team that went to Hawaii, 12-0, they'd already been told that they couldn't be in the alliance. or the B, I guess it was the BCS at that point. So that took some of the steam out of the game, but I think when you're trying to finish a perfect season, that's a big deal. We don't know what kind of prize they'll get for a perfect season this year, but when you're trying to go undefeated, I think you've got to put the games, go back in history and say, when were you undefeated this late in the season, you'd have to put that 0-1 game at Hawaii up there. Now, maybe you want to put the 0-1 game at Mississippi State up there. I mean, they were 11-0 and still had a shot at that point and won it. Well, they didn't have a shot. <laughs> that, that's the point. As it turned out. But they hadn't been officially told. We didn't think they did. We thought they were going to be told, but they hadn't been told. Yeah, see, to me, you didn't even rank the most important game I think BYU's had. And that would be? I think uh, Miami. The credibility on the no, national stage. Yeah, there was no excuses. There was no yeah buts. Michigan was six and six. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the whack title game was it against Wyoming or somebody. Yeah, and uh, well, did, did Wyoming didn't get any football respect, so uh, it was big to us. But uh, that's what you're looking for beyond what's big to us. What's big to us isn't necessarily big to others. And the Miami game had zero excuse. It wasn't, uh, well, they ended up sucking, and they were overrated, and blah, blah, blah. And wasn't that the game that propelled Ty to win the Heisman? And to me, the Miami game legitimized BYU football as a legitimate player. Everything else is a yeah, but. And that 1984, yeah, but, they did one thing that only six teams did that year, and that's beat Michigan. So... uh, that was nice for them, and it was a great talking point, but I don't know that it had the significance that it needed because it was about BYU being, what were they, 13-0 and as opposed to any individual game. It was about a season as opposed to an individual game, and I don't know that they got credit for that individual game of beating uh, Michigan uh, because Michigan won very good that year. Whereas Miami, absolutely. There was no yeah buts. 100% massive win. Miami was in a string of really good seasons, and that year they were 10-2, and two, and their only other loss was at Notre Dame, and they ended up winning the Cotton Bowl, just annihilating Texas, a fairly famous game in Miami history. Yeah. So to me, that's the number one game because there was no qualifications it was simply we played them and we beat them. That's all there was to it. You couldn't go anything else. And it was a prominent program at the height of its prominence. And they were very, very good that season, as you said. What do the people believe? We've got BYU fans who've watched a lot of games. Dan says, I believe it's number eight and appropriately placed at the eighth game of the season. Notre Dame, uh, North, Al- North Alabama will be nine, and San Diego State will be ten. Both appropriately in order of importance as well. Uh, PK. Sarcasm. Well, that's, not, that's not necessarily true, though. Because there might be another game scheduled in there. Yeah. <laughs> Moves those games back. San Diego State might end up being the 11th game. Exactly. Yeah. 
Vernon says, uh, it's a big game. It can't be understated. It's nice there's no fans allowed, so some of the home field advantage is taken away for Boise State. If you're a BYU perspective, yeah. Although I don't necessarily know that Boise State has a great home field advantage. I mean, with it's a smaller crowd, uh, 38,000. I think you got to play the game rather than worrying about what's what's in the stands. Uh, so uh, the put the pressure that you put on yourself is what you put on yourself, whether there's one fan or fifty thousand fans. So, I mean, I wish I, I don't understand. I don't understand why I can turn on the television and see eighteen thousand people at some games and zero at another. Uh, is, I, but I don't have that mind. To, to understand why I just try to get through each day the best I can and go on with it. it's not like I contemplate it because I wouldn't be a fan in that stadium either way so it has no pertinence to me but I'm not worried about that it's about beating Boise State uh, as far as that goes Alex says it's funny how the Mountain West suddenly became very important for BYU Well, I think the Boise rivalry has always been very important to BYU. I don't know that it's the Mountain West. It's about these two teams because if they were playing New Mexico, would the Mountain West be very important to them? Yeah, it'd be. No, not really. No. <laughs> it's, uh, let's not downgrade good teams. You don't have to be in a particular conference to be a good team. That, that's, that's what's always bothered me is we slap labels on groups and individuals and people and and segments and sections and, and football teams, yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. Let's judge them individually. This is a good football team, and next month they will play a good football team in San Diego State. I don't care what somebody assigned them to, and so therefore you're supposed to be this or that. No. That's not it at all. This is a quality football team, as are the Aztecs. And the thing about it is, this isn't, they're not Johnny-come-latelys here. They've been quality programs for a good number of years. If you go back five, six, seven years, in the case of Boise, you can go longer. But in San Jose State, it's it, this group, you know, they've had others way back. But this level that they've been at, they've been at now for a number of years. It's a decade. That, to me, screams yeah. quality. It's it's a decade for San Diego State now. And it's now two decades for Boise yeah. State. Right. Yeah, Boise, I think, has that rep. San Jose State, I'm not sure, has it. But they should have it as far as providing quality competition, particularly in the way they play when they want to pound you and they can end up, you know, they don't run the uh, triple options, so they're not going to have that, but they can still keep the ball for six, seven minutes on you, and by the time your defense walks off the field, their tongues are dragging. That's the way they play. So they're probably going to keep every game close because of the style of play that they have, but they're a quality program, and we'll worry about that in five or six weeks when we get there. This thing here uh, is something that, for BYU, they've been striving for legitimacy all season. See, it's, it, but This season is a yeah, but. That's what's great about the Miami, because there's no yeah, but, right? I mean, no one can say. You, can, you cannot come up with any excuse. And anytime BYU has a big win, there's a f- faction out there who has excuses and yeah, buts. 
right? Well, it turns out Pittsburgh wasn't good going back to 84. And if I remember, that was their first game of the season. Oh, that's another good list, PK. Let's do a list of yeah, bud games. That would be a good list. Uh, if we Oklahoma, their quarterback got hurt at halftime. Oklahoma in the bowl game. Well, it was a coaching change. Right. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Come on, let's do a yeah, bud list. <laughs> well, I like when they, in 2006, when they kicked the crap out of Oregon. Yeah, but they couldn't compete week to week <laughs> in the Pac-10 at the time. That was Bilotti's, uh comment. Comment going in, get beat by 30, comment going out. <laughs> and the BYU players, they were fed up with that, man. They had heard that. They had heard that through and through, and they were sick of it. Interviewing Jake Caressa out on the field. Man, he was steaming. That guy's an easygoing guy. I'd known him for a number of years, and he was so fired up. He st- they didn't have the phrase mic drop back then, but that's what he did. <laughs> On the field, I asked him a question. He gave me about a six, seven-minute answer, and you could just see his blood pressure just boiling, and that's it. He's out, and he, he was gone. And they were they were really upset because that was after you get your butt kicked to still disrespect them. That didn't make any sense. That might have been the ultimate slap in the face in terms of yeah buts. Thirty eight day, yeah, you're no good. <laughs> it's thirty eight well, day, man. Destroyed us by thirty, but you couldn't do that week in and week out. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. It wasn't like a controversial call that went against you down at the end, and so the other team slips past you by less than a score, you know, two or three points or what have you. Nope. It's domination. Start to finish. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, yeah, they, they, yeah. But whoop-de-doo. They did it today, but can they do it uh, 10, 11, 12 weeks, uh, however many games they're playing? Nah. That was a slap in the face. So BYU said, had to deal with yeah buts. It seems seemingly forever since they got it going on in the late 70s. Andrew says, in the moment, this is a top five game. If the Cougars keep winning, the college football semifinal will become the number one ranked biggest game in BYU history. Okay, neither yeah, one of us think they're it. getting to the college football semifinal. It's going to be really Clemson. Don't, I don't it's it. going to be Ohio State. It's going to be Alabama. And then one other team. Oklahoma State, if they win out. Notre Dame. If they have one loss? Uh, depending on what that loss is, if Notre Dame loses to the backup quarterback of Clemson this week, I, I think that could be a hard time. But if they well, beat this yeah. kid and then Trevor Lawrence comes back and the, the uh, what are they, the Tigers, Clemson, uh, if they go undefeated, then uh, Notre Dame being undefeated can get in too. And then I don't think they're going to, penalize Clemson because never forget it's a TV show first and foremost and Clemson's a brand name and yeah. brand names sell right I right. think if Notre Dame loses this week they'll lose to Clemson again in the ACC title game and then they'll be a two loss team assumption on my part and if they beat them in the title game with Trevor Lawrence there then I think they're in so there's a with couple a loss yeah even with a loss if they got a second game and beat Trevor Lawrence then I think they could be in and certainly, I think they'd be in front of BYU. You know, maybe somebody else would get in front of Notre Dame, uh, but, but there wouldn't yeah. be a path for BYU to the top four. Oh, you got Cincinnati sitting out there too. Cincinnati, are they going to be able to run the table? And then the Pac-12 hadn't even started. 
I know. So you got everybody. Well, and you got the there. the path. I don't think Georgia can run the table and beat Bama in the SEC title game. But if they did, there's another team that BYU wouldn't be able to leapfrog. So, you know, you're sitting there at number nine. If any of those teams in front of you went out, you're going to be in trouble. I think that's an unachievable goal. I don't even think it's a goal. If it's if it's unachievable, then I don't know that it can be a goal. But uh, I don't. I just don't see where they're going to let them. We're not going. We're not going to do that. Now, maybe if they had the original schedule. And, you know, that was Utah's, uh, say, like Utah lost one or two games and on and on, all the teams on their schedule, uh, whether the Devils or whoever might have been, then maybe that the, certainly you would deserve more consideration because I think you got to attach some level of importance to the quality of the scheduling, you know. And I guess this year it's, it's hard to criticize them on their schedule because it's not the schedule. This is what they had to put together. This is the best they could do. And so the best you can do is literally that. And they would have played anybody, but this is the best they can come up with. So you can say it's soft, but you can't criticize them for playing it. That's what Chris says, basically. He says, fair or not, this game and this season will always have an asterisk associated with it. BYU fans deeply want to believe that this game is huge, but it's not even close to being on their all-time biggest games list. This is a big game imposter. I disagree on that. Because this is a new era for them. They're in independence. And they got a real opportunity to make a splash. And they, they've had little moments. You know, the Nebraska thing was cute. You could have two teams that are 0-10, but if somebody wins on a Hail Mary, they're going to show it. Right? So anytime you do that, it's going to attract our attention. We love that play. It's shown over and over again at the time. Right, so they only made just like a little bit. It was all temporary. They couldn't follow it up. Here, they're looking to make a mark as an independent, and even if it's not a legitimate mark, if you want exposure, this is what this is bringing you. This season is bringing you the most exposure you've had since you've been an independent. And Zach Wilson, has anybody else been talked about for Heisman? You know, maybe fleeting with Taysom just a little bit, but no. He was Taysom was always viewed as a novelty. The NFL viewed him as a novelty. They have seven rounds of draft, and he didn't get drafted. It's a crazy skill set. Yeah. But they never really viewed him as a legitimate NFL quarterback. Whether he is or he isn't, I don't know, but I don't know that he was ever viewed as that because they didn't draft Nobody drafted him in seven rounds. Zach Wilson comes out this year. I don't know where he's going, but he's not available in the seventh round. <laughs> That's for sure. So this season has a chance to legitimize the exposure that you're looking for. And even if it's somewhat unworthy, they're still talking about you, which is the exposure. Doesn't matter, you know, it's not uh, uh, Mark Cuban when Kobe Bryant going through that thing in Eagle, Colorado. Any pub is good pub. We're not saying that. Uh, but this is the type of pub. Oh, are they legitimate? I mean, this is sports pub. It's not real-life pub, you know what I mean, where you're doing something notorious to get yourself or where your program out there. That's not the type of thing that you're looking for. But this isn't the, the type of pub that they're going to get. Even if it's negative sports pub, ah, they're not playing anybody. It's still pub. So they're still talking about you. That's the goal. Once They haven't been talked about in November, and I realize it's a funky November, but still... It's still being talked about. They're still being talked about in November, and they haven't been talked about in November in over a decade. That's a long time to go. 
So this is the biggest game of the independent era. They're I big so. wins, but you only look at that after the game, after you know the result. Oh, they went to Texas and won, and won easy. Well, they didn't the first time, but the second time they went to Texas, they won big in the independent era. But it wasn't, there wasn't the hype going into the game. Oh, it was all about Texas. They suck. They fired their D coordinator. It wasn't about BYU. It was about Texas. Locally, it was about BYU, but we're going to be talking about them no matter what. It's not about us. It's about them. And so Texas, yeah, and then the leap, and I was down there, and it was a fun game, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then here, when they beat him in, in Provo and uh, ran for 350 yards between two guys, whatever it was. And so, yeah, that was great, but it was more, wow, Texas is really sucking. What is the most hyped game in the independent era? This one. Oh, okay, before this one. I mean, this one tops what? I mean, there hasn't been that much hype. You know, based on how it ends or what happens, you're right. At Nebraska, you know, you beat a brand name, even if it's not a great year. You beat a brand name in that style with your backup quarterback. That ends up being awesome. But none of us knew on the, uh, on the Tuesday before, as we sit here on the Tuesday before the Boise State game, we know it's a big deal. But we didn't know that was going to be a big deal. You know, USC in overtime was a great win. On the Tuesday before, we didn't know it was going to be that, that big a deal. There's really oh, nothing. USC coming into your building, that's, yeah. that's huge. I guess there's the other kind of game when you've been pounded in the opener by Utah and you're going to Tennessee, it's huge. Because you don't want to go into it with USC coming into your building. You got to get your feet under you. You got to get yeah, some confidence. But I mean, nationally, people are thinking Tennessee, man, since Fulmer, they've really struggled. And Tennessee, even though they ended up 8 and 5, had lost their opener. And They're, now this coach, whoever he is, he's, on the, he's the latest on the, on the hot seat and all on that. On the merry go round. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I couldn't even name you all the guys they've had since they forced out Fulmer. Uh, and it doesn't look like Tennessee. Tennessee, Nebraska, Texas. Doesn't look like they're getting back to the glory that they they have enjoyed. Michigan, they're nice programs. They put put in a lot of money, but it doesn't look like these programs are really where they think they should be. To me, there's been a clear division and separation now. There's the highest order, and then a trickling down effect. And those programs that I just mentioned are not at the upper level, the highest levels. Not at all. And there's very few programs that are in that level. Three or four. Yeah, really. O- Oklahoma this year has the two losses, but they've been to enough playoffs recently that, you know, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, if any of them are in the playoff, you're not surprised. And literally well, no, anybody else is scrambling to get there once or twice, and it's right. a little bit of surprise when they do because most of the time they don't. And all those schools you mentioned, they've got college football titles. Some of them have multiple national titles, but they are they are no closer to getting in than well, actually they're further from getting in than BYU. They may have a more obvious path, but they're not capable of traveling that path. Yeah, and I think you gotta give Oklahoma a little bit of a break here. They're starting a redshirt freshman quarterback. I mean, you can't just pick off you don't even know if the available transfer is actually literally available that particular year, because we know that they've done this now with uh, their great success that they've had with three transfers in a row with Mayfield, Murray, and Hertz. So and it, I, 
there isn't necessarily somebody of that caliber available every year to who wants to leave. Uh, you know, there's, there's good ones, but you know they decided to go with an in-house kid, and he's a redshirt freshman. All right. So if Oklahoma gets back next year and the year after, they'll take it <laughs> and have a, especially this year when it's so funky, but have a a little bit of a reload. Uh, it's okay. I, I don't I don't ding their program for that. Well, it's a reloading year, but it still might end with a conference title. You know, I mean, the way the Big 12's going. Right, but the, the conference titles are meaningless, though. <laughs> right, they want the playoff. They want it all. Yeah. yeah, because they're on that level. Yep. The rest of us, no. Conference titles means a whole heck of a lot. But to them, they're not there. And uh, they're in a different, they're just in a different category, different sphere. And good on them, but that's where they're at. All right, DJ and PK will run all this by uh, Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver. He joins us coming up at 8 o'clock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Had a little Pac-12 news. We will get to that for you Ute fans next. Dylan Cauley at the top of the hour for Cougar fans. Frank Dolce, the former Ute quarterback, is here at 8.30. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. I do think that this offense is going to be a very great asset to Utah. Good running backs, good receivers, really good offensive line. If your quarterbacks come in and just do what they're supposed to do, I don't see any reason why not. That's why I kind of originally assumed it might be Bentley, just to limit mistakes. But the further along we get and the more that I learn about this offense, I keep thinking it's going to be Cameron Rising. And you think they hit the ground running? I do. I think that Andy Ludwig is up for the task. And I think that this entire offensive staff understands better what's expected of them. So I would expect Utah's offense to be able to put 35-plus on the board against Arizona, yes. And if they don't, I'll be discouraged about it. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller Subaru. All right, PK, the Pac-12 is finally kicking off. It is here, week one, and you love the craziness, the wackiness, the unexpectedness of Pac-12 football. At some point, three shockers in a normal year. Now, we're not having a normal year because we're not playing nine league games, playing six for that seventh weekend looming out there. So maybe just you have to scale it down with some of your ASU math. Instead of three shockers, there'll be two. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if you see any shockers out there week one. Can USC-ASU be a shocker? USC is a 10-point favorite, so I guess if ASU wins, it's a shocker. But I think there's the big three and the little three in the, in the Pac-12 South. The top three, the bottom three would probably be a better way to say it this year. So, well, Yeah, go ahead. So can it be a shocker if one of the top three beats one of the other top three? I think that if uh, you have nobody fall asleep in that ASU-SC game, that's a shocker. Uh, with a 4.45... Uh, pregame meal i think i'd pass and just get a get a crunch bar as i'm walking out on the field at at 8 30 but uh i don't i could i I don't know that i could say that it's a shocker if the devil should win it would be an upset i guess the shocker would come in the complexion of the game so if either team won by 38 uh that's a crushing blow to the other team so the level of uh defeat or victory, depending on your perspective, that could be a shocker. But the outcome, if you just look at it that, 
probably wouldn't put that there. Yeah, I think if Stanford beats Oregon. That's the shocker. Yeah. Oregon's supposed to be the champ. Uh Uh-huh. Stanford was way down last year. So that's about the only one that's going to have any any ripple effect whatsoever in week one. What about Arizona taking down Utah? Yeah, because I think they'll go and say, well, the Utes lost so many guys. And they're breaking in a new quarterback. Uh, you know, probably going to break in a quarterback who literally hasn't taken a snap. So uh, I think I wouldn't say that. I get your point the way we look at it, but I'm trying to look at it the way they look at it, meaning the outside folks, you know what I mean, as opposed to the way we look at it. There's an excuse built in. Yeah. The Utes sent so many guys to the NFL. Right, right. You know, Moss, and it's the timing, too. Oh, Moss just scored two touchdowns for the Bills last week. <laughs> yeah, well, no surprise for us. We know he's been good. He's been good for a number of years. He's about as solid as they come. So uh, that that's something there. I get your point, but you're, when you're using the word shock. I know, right. It's a Cal Washington's a one-point spread. Yeah. And Washington's got the rep, but if you look – Cal should be on the way up the way they're trending. They had a nice year last year, and it could have been a really good year. But they had a quarterback injury, right? Exactly. (laughs) But they're still supposed to be good because everybody's looking at it and thinking, your defense is really good. Now, solid. Yeah. So it's not, and and Washington is uh, is not the defending conference champ anymore. That was a nice run, but... They got a yeah. coaching change, so so that that's not going to resonate. UCLA and Colorado, they're not supposed to be any good either. One of them. I, I, I'm hoping that game's not on television, right? <laughs> it's on ESPN two at five o'clock. Oh shoot! <laughs> UCLA. It, well, do you know the spread? Uh, I'd say Bruins by seven, six and a half. Close enough. Uh, Washington State, Oregon State is the other game, and that's the uh, the bit of Pac-12 news. If you missed it, they're going with a freshman quarterback. The coach from Hawaii is taking a true freshman from Hawaii. So Cam Cooper, who went to Lehigh, is getting passed over. Yeah, what's the point of having the surfer hairdo if you're not going to get the job? So we'll see what happens there. I don't know what's going to happen, but you know, Yak will watch the, the transfer portal like a hawk. Just because yeah. it's a transfer portal and he's yak, it doesn't really have anything to do with Cam and Cooper. It's just a day that ends in Y. But if Cam's name pops into it, he will be uh, uh, he will be alerting us. DJ PK and TP, he is the transfer portaler. He's a transfer portal watcher. He's our TPW. He's a transfer portaler. <laughs> so, I'm not saying that three times fast. He's all over that. There's uh, no chance that. I'm spitting that out three times see fast. See how that plays out. I I still think there's an opportunity for surprises, if not shockers. Now, you know, you can just uh, do the percentages, and since they're playing fewer games, you can reduce it. I get that. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen because you, you just wonder. There's a lot of uh, crazy things that have the potential to get in there. Partic- I think, though, you have to, when we talk about the shockers, if uh, Oregon State to say is playing Oregon, and all of a sudden Oregon gets battered by COVID, and they've got half their team out, and they're still playing the game, well, all right, that's not really a true shocker, you know what I mean, under the circumstances. So I think we we, we could see some crazy results this year that are built in because of the issues that we've got surrounding 
just everybody in the country. So I, I'm not really going to count that. Put that aside. Hopefully it doesn't come to that, but obviously we're not going to be surprised if it does come to that uh, because a lot of these teams, unlike Clemson, don't have a five-star guy standing around. And uh, been everybody in their dog could have literally gone anywhere. And as I said yesterday, if you're playing at St. John Bosco in Bellflower, which is a suburb of Long Beach, and you choose to go to Clemson, that tells me right off the bat, you must be really good. Because Clemson's not going to take somebody from literally as far away as you can get in the continental United States, unless you're really good. I mean, you can go get somebody average down the street. (laughs) You know, you don't have to extend that type of effort, because to recruit him, they must have had to spend a pretty penny just to be able to recruit him. So that tells me off the bat that he's really good. You look at the Sun Devils, their backup quarterback, a walk-on. A walk-on. Yeah, so if Daniels goes down, they are in a freaking world of hurt. Did everybody else transfer, or did he beat them out? There's nobody there. Yeah. Uh, Joe Yellen is started for Pittsburgh last week. Uh, didn't do well. well. Maybe it was the week before. Uh, uh, but, yeah, so he w- he was there, and, and he left because he wants to play, and he knew he wasn't going to start over Daniels. So... These programs, some of these youths are set up nice uh, with that, but some of these programs, they're razor thin there with that quarterback, and the Sun Devils are right there too. The Trojans got fortunate that Fink is still sticking around uh, if something should happen to Slovis, but the other two guys, they took off at Sears and Daniels. Yep. And, you know, I'd have to go through the list, but they're, Washington uh, – wasn't last I read uh, yesterday. I don't think they'd started the chosen a quarterback, or they said an announced they probably chose it. But they got like four guys, which makes you wonder, man. If nobody's gaining separation out of four, what do you really have? Well, and then you got a problem. That's what you got then, unless they know who their guy is and he's separated, and they're just keeping it quiet, like Kyle, trying to keep it quiet. That's not working, but I know it's not. I heard some stuff. It's not working. I wasn't even trying to search it out, and I heard somebody say something. I'm like, oh, so that's what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver. Coming up, stay with us.